cleanse your palate. Me, 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 me. You make that Mouthful joke every time. Yeah. <laughs> I am nothing if not consistent. <clears throat> Welcome to Murder Brunch. We're the Murder Brunch Bunch. I'm Clinton. I'm Rachel. I'm Joe. And this is the podcast where we discuss two tales of mayhem and murder and discuss where a killer falls on Dr. Michael Stone's scale of evil. That's a lot of discussion going on. Yeah. So that's discuss, that's discuss, what we discuss, are. Discuss. It's good enough. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I think it works. I'm not doing it again. <laughs> Do you know who I am? Clinton, one take. Clinton, one take, offer only. <laughs> well, I like this brunch. It's a very simple brunch, but I like it. It's perfect for a cold weather day. Mm-hmm. Which today is. It is the coldest in our area in several years, I think. Maybe since I got married. Maybe. That would be, what, 12 years? 13 years? Because it got down to like 22 degrees on your wedding, and mm-hmm. it was 27 degrees this morning. This yeah. morning. yeah. And it was it has not been in the 20s in a yeah. long time. And it was 12 years ago that I got married. Wow. Any portent we should know about? <laughs> you witch. <laughs> I just figured you control the weather in some way. Yeah, with my emotions. It's horrible. Like Tia Peppa. Mm-hmm. What a terrible gift. Gift in quotes, air quotes. <laughs> hey, we don't talk about Bruno. We don't. Um, I talk what I want to talk about. <laughs> so, but for brunch, Clinton has... Um, I was going to try to come up with a fancier word, but cooked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, created. Yeah. Um, Manifested. There we go. Manifested uh, grilled cheese sandwiches with Havarti, Gouda. And Munster. And Munster. Tomato soup. And we have brownies. Which, for the record, it is six slices of cheese per sandwich, I think. Oh my god, Clayton, that's too much cheese. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know where you're from, (laughs) but that's not a thing. Too much cheese. You're going to be blocked up for days. It might not be six per sandwich. It might be six. In total. Per two sandwiches. Okay. I'm trying so to think of how I did this. three per sandwich. It is definitely yeah. at least three per sandwich. Okay, I can handle three. And the cocktails today, do they have a name? They do have a name. Do you want to share that now or later? I'll share it now. Okay. It's called the Green Demon. Ooh. It is one ounce each of vodka, Midori, and white rum. And then you just throw some lemonade in there. Oh. Pretty tasty. It it tastes like it looks. Good. Yeah. It tastes like a demon. Which is a neon green reminiscent of a certain soda. Popular we do not model. have sponsorship from, so we will not mention. Dude. <laughs> I think our food's becoming less brunchy and more just a meal. <laughs> Maybe we should change our name to Murder Meal. <laughs> is that too much? Too many ends? <clears throat> Alliteration is always good. I know, but murder meal sounds uh, like we're inviting murderers over to hang out and eat with us. Well, isn't that what our murder, murder brunch, brunch is? is? We're talking about them behind their backs. <laughs> no. I'm just drinking my soup. The spoon is too slow. And if you're going to get it in the beard, might as well go all the way. That's true. You need a straw. And get it down your shirt. And then I need to uh, in your hair. dip this brownie in this. Up Stop. your nose. <laughs> Take your blasphemy somewhere else. No, I kind of want to try it. No. <laughs> Tomato chocolate? That's, That's disgusting. a good thing, right? They put chilies in chocolate. Totally different. Uh-oh. It's going to 
Don't do it. Come on, click. <laughs> <laughs> I just throw up on the recording. Ooh, yeah, you went all it. the way, too. You didn't, like, do a little tiny dip. You, you just plopped it right in there. I do. I mean, I imagine it's going to taste like tomato soup and brownie. We're adults. All the flavors mixed together. I mean, yes. That yeah. is exactly what it tastes like. These are good brownies. Yeah, they are. Just also from a company we can't mention. Tomato soup. <laughs> Clinton's recipe for the day. <laughs> Brownie tomato soup. Follow me for more recipes. <laughs> yeah. We gotta get our energy up. It's the finale. It is the finale. We came in grumpy. So that means we need to either have what? A murder, a marriage, or like I mean that's finale. Mr. Between the baby. three of us? <laughs> <laughs> Someone is finds out they're twins. It's mm-hmm. me and you Clinton. I'm adopting. <laughs> Well, I'm sure we'll end on a high note. No pressure. This is going to be our best episode all season. <laughs> I've been waiting to do this story all season. Yeah. I've watched a six-part documentary about it. Wow. So a lot of research, huh? <laughs> I mean, as much as ever. A six-part? All right. That's cool. I think it's been a while since I've actually, like, drank my whole drink because yeah. my face is, like, really hot. Now uh, you look a little flushed already. How much vodka is in this? It's an ounce of vodka and an ounce of rum and an ounce of mm. Midori, so. Nice. It's a boozy drink. <laughs> you doing okay? Yeah, I'm good. How you doing? I'm great. <laughs> drink is pretty much full. I know. So my mom visited yesterday, and I had bought her this expensive bottle of port for mm. Christmas, and so she brought that. And so then we had that along with this chocolate ganache cake. Oh, yeah, that's good. Just like, oh, that's so good. good. It was a good pairing, too. Yeah. Especially because we also did it this. It says right here, it's a dessert <laughs> wine. <laughs> Where's that from? Greece, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Oh, Greece. You say your family film. <laughs> Disagree. Disagree. <laughs> I think if you mention abortion, I think you're, you're pretty out. <laughs> Although, I don't they know. They never say the word. So I, I think it's one of those where if you're young enough, you don't catch the stuff. Oh, a lot of stuff. And if you're that. old enough. You're old enough. Yeah. And so it's it the works. same thing with Dirty Dancing. The abortion scene in Dirty Dancing went over my head for decades. Okay, right. that's the abortion thing. He also calls his car the pussy wagon. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, touche. <laughs> and what, when you're the young kid's like, oh, he's got a lot of cats in his car. <laughs> he's got a lot of cats in his car. <laughs> yep, and all in the trunk. All right, ready? I'm ready. Okay. You are blushed. <laughs> Blush and bashful. My colors. My colors. That's maybe the gayest thing you've ever said. <laughs> Just two words. Another movie I watched when I was a kid. I know, so. right? Just I... saying nature versus nurture. Maybe there's something to it. <laughs> All right. So. <clears throat> Story A. Dear listener. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> Shall we begin? Yes. Okay. The time, 1978. The place, San Francisco, California. John Lawson is born. Not much is to be said about his... <laughs> cool. Cool, cool. The story's not about him. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just mentioning... All right, uh, not much is to be said about this very early time in his life. His family seemed to be pretty normal. 
But in 1990, his parents separated, and at that time, he relocated with his mother to Clemens, North Carolina, a town close to Winston-Salem, for anyone who knows the geography of North Carolina. <laughs> All of our North Carolina listeners, what up? Where, what year was this again? I'm sorry. 78. 78. Okay. Well, he was born in 78. He moved in 1990. Oh. Okay, so we're in the 90s. Got yeah, it. So that's like, he was about 12 when his parents divorced. Of course. <clears throat> and you know... Nothing goes wrong then. Right. Sometimes it doesn't. Right? I mean, there are children of divorced parents who turn out okay. <laughs> How you said right was like a question, right? <laughs> right? Well, I don't, I'm not a child of divorced parents. I don't know. Ooh, rub that in their face. <laughs> um, as a young man, John started to display symptoms of mental health issues, mm-hmm. such as he would often be cruel to animals, and he seemed to be unable to control his emotions. This led his mother to seek professional help from psychiatrists and going as far as putting him in a psychiatric ward for a time. Eventually, John was diagnosed with schizophrenia and agoraphobia. Oh. Unfortunately, uh, they live in America, and his single mother was unable to continue to keep up with the medical costs, so all treatment had to stop. In the small, conservative, Christian, depressed town of Clemens... John Lawson set himself up as a sort of local boogeyman. Oh, jeez. So he's an adult by this point. Late he teens. started as a late teen. Okay. But it, you know, went into his 20s and 30s. Gotcha. He was determined to rebel against all the social norms, so he grew his hair long, covered himself in tattoos, including his face. Ooh. Filed his teeth to points, <sighs> and began telling anyone who would listen that he was a Satanist. Ooh. And all the Satanists are like, uh, he's not well, with us. I was supposed to say, in parentheses, he wasn't really a Satanist. <laughs> if you know anything about Satanism, no. This, no. Anyway, to prove my point, in 2002, John Lawson legally changed his name to Pazuzu Algarard, a name he took from the Assyrian demon character from the movie The Exorcist. Neat. Now, that's what everybody pictures when you hear Pazuzu, right? The Exorcist. I picture the gargoyle from Futurama (laughs) and the professor yelling, Pazuzu! (laughs) I almost named my cat Pazuzu. It's a mouthful. I'm glad I didn't. (laughs) Anyway, so, at the time of his rise, if you will, it is important to understand (laughs) that... his rise. Yeah. Of his becoming. Yeah, of him, you know, growing into his own... Demonhood. It's important to understand that he lived in an area pretty socially and economically depressed. At one time, Winston-Salem was a thriving city that provided a lot of jobs, but that time was over, and now there were no jobs to be had, no entertainment, and a lot of drugs on the streets. Mm. So the young people were bored and looking for pretty much anything. Because of this, Pazuzu was able to collect a following. Oh, we're going to actually refer to him as Pazuzu? I mean, I guess he did change his name. That's his name, name, legally. All right, all right. Fair enough. Mr. Pazuzu. People were drawn to him because he offered them a place to escape. Though he lived in his mother's home, Pazuzu seemed to have the run of it. This may have been because his mother was afraid of him, which would make sense as he did get in trouble with the law for assaulting her. Oh, jeez. 
all of his friends would come to his house because there were no rules at all. Anyone could do anything they wished at any time. You want to pee in the corner? Okay. Smash a glass bottle over someone's head? Okay. Want to take copious amounts of drugs and alcohol? Why not? Drink animal blood? That's okay, too. Wow. (laughs) So it's like a crazy flop house kind of situation. Yes. His friends would describe that once the door opened... It was nothing but a cascade of smells of urine and feces. Oh, Jesus Christ. His <laughs> and then, mom. But then they decided to stay. Enter that yeah. house. Yeah, because they're in And add, add to it. <sighs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, right. All right. There were reports of animal sacrifices, orgies, and occult rituals. Eventually, once the house would be investigated, spoiler alert. <laughs> Police would find a home not fit for humans. It was full of garbage, bodily waste, cages with decaying animals inside. The walls were smeared with feces and blood and covered with, air quotes, satanic and occult imagery. Which, I mean, it's like 666. Yeah. You know, bullshit. Pentagrams, yeah. Yeah. I said pentacles. Uh Some pentacles. Testicles. Yeah. I'm sure there was a dick in each room, right? (laughs) Okay, anyway. The neighbors could smell the house from their own yards. Oh, my God. Property volume's going down. Well, there's there's actual video Mm. of of the investigation. And before the police enter the house, there's, you know, the body cam was going, what's that smell? Is that the house? (laughs) It's going with a hazmat suit. They had to. They had to. In one room, they had to get the fire department to break out the windows to vent out the room. And then they all went in with hazmat suits. Yeah, because like feces and urine, like it can create a toxic like smell, basically. At the end of all this, the house would be torn down. Yeah. To the the cheering of the neighbors. I'm sure. And the house would seem to reflect its owner, as Pazuzu himself was pretty gross. <laughs> he confessed he only bathed once a year. Whoa. And never brushed his teeth. Why? He believed that cleaning oneself stripped away the body's natural defense against illnesses. And he filed them down, which makes them susceptible to cavities. Apparently he did that when he was high on meth. No, I get it. It's just um, there is a tribe. Yeah, I would say in Africa, but you know how it's I a specific feel. country that yeah, we don't okay. know. Yeah. <laughs> you know how I feel about the water that they um, drink comes from a lake that is so like it has so much fluoride in okay. it, like natural fluoride that it it does the opposite for what it's supposed to do for teeth. It makes their teeth soft. Oh, and so they file their teeth down to points. Interesting. But they're constantly drinking fluoride. Yeah. So. So their teeth are fine. I guess so. Shiny white spikes. Like sharks. Like sharks. <laughs> anyway. Tangent. Here we go. Back to. Mr. Pazuzu. Yeah. The story at hand. All right. So even though he was so gross, Pazuzu had his lady followers Ugh, as well. How? This is what I don't understand when they have stuff like this. What woman wants to sleep with a guy who does not bathe. You know what I mean? Right. Or, like, is going to kiss you with a mouthful of spiked teeth. Or is going to rub feces all over you. I just, I, I don't know. It just, <sighs> am I being too judgmental? Am I being a prude? <laughs> is that what we're talking about? <laughs> it sounds like you're kink shaming. I'm sorry. I guess if everybody's consenting, it's fine. It just seems, ugh, I don't know. Blech. <laughs> but for you, a dude who doesn't, who smells like poop is not Not my like, thing. Not, not a turn thing. on. Yeah. <laughs> 
So he called these women his fiancés. How many? They came and went. Okay. You know? If there was a girl in the house, it was his fiance. <laughs> I think it was a way of, of claiming them, you know? Sure. Like, every girl that entered the house was his, mm-hmm. you know? There were many, but um, his main girlfriend was a young woman named Amber Birch. She was 24 when he was, like, 34. So, 10 years senior, or his junior. Mm-hmm. In September 2010... Stop. What are you doing? He's looking up stuff. Gonna look up Amber. I know, but it could become. I thought you were gonna say I'm looking up anal, and I'm like, what? I don't why think are we to look that up. Why are we doing that right He's now? Bored. <laughs> He's just gonna scroll some porn sites while we're doing this. It's Sunday. <laughs> the Lord's Day, Clinton. Exactly. No, okay. In September 2010, the body of 30-year-old Joseph Chandler, Joseph Chandler, was found shot to death on a boat dock in Yadkin County. Is that close by? Yes. Okay. Through investigation, the police were able to connect Nicholas Rizzi to, um, as the murderer. However, there was some inconclusive evidence that Pazuzu had been there with him and may have been an instigator in the event. However, nothing could pr- be proven to that extent but he was charged with concealing information from police and allowing a murderer to hide in his home. The charges earned him a 12-month probation, which, by the way, is the same punishment he received for attacking his mother. <sighs> this is an issue for this town, right? According to the documentary that I watched. It's probation after probation after right. probation, you know? And just just checking in on the mom again. He's 34 when he's with that girl and stuff like that. Is mom still alive? Yes. Mom's still in living, the house? She's living in the house. However, it's like the opposite. Or no, it's actually the same as like um, uh, you, the guy, the psycho is based off of. Um, Ed Gang. Ed Gang. Where the, the mom's house. Ha- Rooms, right, are like immaculate oh, compared sure. to everything else. Like I would, I can only imagine. Like she probably went out a window every day and came back in the same way, just to not be able not to right. walk through that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Also, the, his girlfriend attacked his mom, and she got probation for that. And then she attacked Pazuzu and got probation for that too. So there's just a lot of probation going around. In this, they just don't place. have a jail to put people. I guess. Who knows? <laughs> Of course, according to Pazuzu himself, he had killed a lot of people. He would tell his friends stories of all kinds of absurd happenings, including the one time he picked up two sex workers who he killed and ate. However, out of all the bullshit stories, one seemed to ring true. In 2009, Joshua Wetzler went missing. He was just a normal guy who fell on hard times got involved in the drug scene to make some money. So he was selling, not taking. I, he probably took a little bit too, but, um, and found himself in Pazuzu's circle. Among the friends that frequented the house, their story was well known. Pazuzu had shot Joshua in the head while he was sitting on the couch. And then he and his girlfriend, Amber Birch, along with another one of his fiancés, buried him in the backyard. Oh, God. I thought you were going to say eat him. Okay. Well, I mean, at least... <laughs> Sorry. He, he got it better than the sex worker. Yeah. Ugh. Well, still, poor Joshua. Yeah. Okay. Around 2010, this story was anonymously sent to the police on their tip line. 
Around the same time, the story got back to Joshua's ex-wife and mother to his son, mm -hmm. who had been searching for him. According to her, she saw him one day. Like, they got they got divorced because of the circumstances. They were still in, in love. She believes that they probably would have reconciled, you know. But they had hard times. And one day, he came and visited her son, and they had a good day and stuff, and then he was gone. Yeah. And she didn't know where he is. She tried talking to the police. They don't know where he is. And they neglected to tell her that they found his car abandoned in a parking lot, mm. you know? And so, like, she didn't know that for, I think, years. And she's like, well, if I knew that, then I would have filed a missing person. person report. And But to her, it just seemed like he ran off. Somewhere. Right. And, yeah. and she's like, I was confused, but I didn't think, you know, something bad happened to him. And, you know, mm -hmm. now her son, you know, had to grow up a few years thinking that his dad just bolted. It was sad. So uh, she went to the police as well once she heard this story. But it wasn't until October 5th, 2014, so four years later, that police searched the home. Pazuzu's home. Yes. Along with finding the horrible living conditions, an excavation of the backyard found Joshua Wetzler and Tommy Welch, who was also missing in 2009. Oh, okay. So we haven't heard Tommy's story yet. No. Okay. He was just some guy, frequented bars, just hung out with people, and all of a sudden he was gone. Okay. And again, it's like nobody knew where he went. Nobody, I don't know if anybody followed a missing persons report on him. But yeah, he was just a dude in the wrong place. Right. At the wrong time. And both of them seem to have suffered the same fate. They were both shot in the head. Pazuzu and Amber were arrested. In March of 2017, Amber eventually pleaded guilty to second-degree murder, armed robbery, and accessory after the fact to murder. She received a sentence of a minimum of 30 years and eight months. Well, that's good, right? I mean... Mm -hmm. Apparently, she actually is the one who shot Tommy. Oh, okay. And so... Like she confessed that? Yeah. So she... It was like reversed, right? She um, shot Tommy, and then Pazuzu helped her bury him in the backyard. Gotcha. The day before he was scheduled to appear in court, Pazuzu Algarod was found dead in his prison cell. He had apparently bled to death from a deep gash in his arm. He was 36 at the time. Wow. Continue. <laughs> that's it. Oh, that's it? That's mm -hmm. where we're stopping? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Questions? Comments? Who are we putting on the scale, Pazuzu or Amber? Pazuzu. Okay. Are we saying that because Amber was influenced by him, or are we just not, we're not dealing with Amber today? I just wasn't going to deal with Amber. Okay. She's a sad sack. You have to deal with Amber. There was a, his third fiance that helped with the burial. She also went to prison, but it was like for four years maximum, simply because it was a thing where she, it was... Either you help us with this, or right. we are going to kill you too. How how was he able to commit suicide? Where did he get a weapon? I don't know. The, in fact, the only thing that I read was that what he did it with is inconclusive. Oh, how interesting. Well, he's a real shit, and I would have liked to have seen him go to trial. Yeah, but he's nasty. Oh yeah, real bad. So mom is still out there somewhere. I assume so. Yeah. 
and what her take on this is. This one was going to be difficult. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about the scale. Mm -hmm. All right. What is the scale, Clinton? Dr. Michael Stone's scale of evil. Putting you in charge of all this stuff now. I see that. (laughs) Stand it off. This is my my favorite part of the last episode that I edited was you're like, and Clinton's going to tell us all about it and go. (laughs) (laughs) It has 22 categories, ranging from category one, Rachel. Justifiable homicide. Very good. To category 22. Uh, Torture murder where sexual perversity is, may not be in the motive. Psychopathic torture <laughs> murders with torture as their primary motive. The motive need not always be sexual. Very good, Clint. I'm proud of you. <laughs> Pop quiz, Rachel. I know. Sorry, Dennis Hopper. Uh, <laughs> that bus is going to blow up. Okay. Well, I don't, I don't think he tortured them. It was, it was all shots to the head. Unless bringing in, well, like, in that house is torture. The, that's so, yeah. So that's the tricky thing is the people that he killed, maybe not tortured. But did he torture others, others along this length? I mean, even just, like, what he's doing to his mother. I don't even know what that's a good point. that qualifies as. Well, and he, it's got a weird culty feel to it, too. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, the, he is, the religious imagery, yeah. the bringing people into his home, things he's like that. He's often compared to Manson. Yeah, he's Except, not. you know, he's not... Uh, well, that's the thi- one of the things that he is compared to is that according to testimony of people who were friends and, and interacted with him, he always tried to get them to do the deeds. You sure. Know? Right. And it wasn't him himself, which is one of the reasons why they, there's such a suspicion about the first murder of Mr. Chandler. Because, yeah... Rizzi might have, you know, shot him, but was Pazuzu, Pazuzu there... Controlling him. Yeah, pulling the strings. Is there any other crimes associated with him? Like drugs, obviously. But is there anything else like theft or did he go around destroying property or, I mean, anything like that or... No. I, well, he, I mean... Kidnapping? I mean, he had like a juvenile... Actually... It, Statutory the, rape? His juvenile like record is mostly like assault. Yeah. You know? Um, so it was very much like he didn't really do thieving or anything like that because he lived in squalor and he enjoyed He's that. just a violent person. He's just violent. He, I don't know. It was weird. He's violent and disgusting and yet somehow had like some kind of charisma for these kids who didn't have a, a place. Right. Right. Of course. Well, and but, obviously I mean, pick he had, a place that's not covered in feces. Well, and he had mental illnesses that were not appropriately treated. Right, but he diagnosed. Was, he was diagnosed by professionals, yeah. so we know that he is psychopathic. Psychopathic? I mean, can you like he was diagnosed as a psychopath? Because well, I mean, I'm not sure. Schizophrenia and schizo- schizophrenia is on one of the levels. Is it after the psychopathic? Well, so schizophrenia. The only way it's mentioned specifically is number twenty. Torture murderers, but in persons with distinct psychosis, such as schizophrenia. Okay. So he does have psychosis. He has psychosis. Okay. Did you have a scale in mind? No. A level in mind? Okay. It It's really tricky because you can be disgusting and slightly abusive and not really land on this scale. Right. Oh, sure. But once you cross to murder, that kind of right. puts you in there. But to only kill one person... Allegedly. Allegedly. Uh, and himself. 
if you consider suicide murder. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, it, it'll be very interesting here to see where where this goes. It's not just killing people in the way. No, in fact, these people were very much not in his way. That right. was just for funsies. Like, yeah, I mean, I mean, it was very much like you got the impression that if anybody said anything sideways once, then he he's very much like, well, we should kill them. Off, yeah. yeah, I'm gonna put him at sixteen. Isn't that a schemer? No, that's 14, oh. our, our, our favorite ruthlessly uh-huh. self-centered psychopathic schemer. 16, psychopathic persons committing multiple vicious acts, including murder. He is psychopathic. Yeah. So which this whole category of 15 and 16 is psychopathy is apparent, spree or multiple murders. Yeah, and I would say, like, I don't feel like his schizophrenia plays into why he kills you know what I mean? It doesn't sound like he was hearing voices that told him to kill Josh Wexler. It was just opportunity or, mm-hmm. like you said, he mouthed off to him or something like that. Yeah. So I guess the schizof- the 20, the schizophrenia one, is probably too far down. It, plus, it's plus very much in the torture like area. And you can't say he really tortured anybody because it's not like the people who were not into it could have left. Well, they did. There, yeah. there are plenty of people like, I went there, it was gross, he was naked constantly, mm-hmm. and I got out, you know? Yeah, so. if, any was, if anyone would be on that level, I would say maybe his mother, because mm-hmm. she obviously felt she had nowhere to go. Right. God, that would be so hard. Your own kid, like, ugh, I don't even want to think about it. 16. What's Mainly 16? because of the multiple vicious acts, because that's... That I he think is, is pretty clear. He, yes. he hurt animals. He did. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like he's a violent personality. Yeah. He confessed that his religion that he always talked about he had made up. Of course. And he was the only one that followed it, and his girlfriend or whatever. But they did have animal sacrifices, so that did happen. Well, and I'm wondering if we should give more emphasis on the drugs that came into play with this. Because I think a lot of these things happened because the drug use. Not just, like, he wasn't sober doing these things. You know what I mean? Right. So, I don't know if that... I think he would have done them regardless. Interesting. And truthfully, you don't know if he was sober or not. Because, yeah, he did have drugs and alcohol around. And he did suffer from alcoholism and, and all that. But at any given moment... Nobody knew. Right. Because he was bonkers, no matter what. What's 17? 17, so that's the first step into the serial killers, tortures, and sadists. Ah. Um, that is sexually perverse serial killers. Killing is to hide evidence, no torture. Yeah. And I just don't think we can, we reach serial with No, him. and we don't have any really sexual, yeah. as far as we can tell. If you count the three dead bodies that are tied to him right. as his responsibility, then it would technically mean he's a serial killer. However, if the government, or not the government, if law hasn't tied them to him. Yeah, two of them are at least tied to someone else. I mean, like, he was still going down for Tommy. Because of Amber. Yeah, because, yeah. It, you know, he, he, he had a part in it. And, I, and we are to assume that the sex worker story is... A load of shit. Probably. Because okay. he told many, many, many lies. Right. He, he told people he was from Iraq. And he dressed up <laughs> like he thought people in Iraq. Like on, on September 11th, he dressed up like oh, an Arab geez. person. What he thinks an Arab person would dress that. as. Mm. Gross. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's our sweet spot. Because everything before it is those 
well, like we mentioned, the ruthlessly self-centered psychopathic schemers. I don't really think oh, he's a schemer. Oh, I don't think he had any plans. Yeah. He could maybe fit in inadequate, rageful psychopaths, some committing multiple murders. I don't know how much inadequate <laughs> counts, but I suppose he was a rageful psychopath. He was. I often think inadequate leads to penis size like honestly feeling feeling insecure about yourself in some way i don't know if he was rageful because it's not like he he was never described as like flying off the handle interesting it was always like oh he like, just enjoyed like he would pull someone aside and say you know what we could kill him and get away with it let's let's do that and i mean like he wasn't when he assaulted his mom yeah from what i've read it wasn't like they were in an argument and he punched her in the face. No, he snuck up behind her and show and put her in a chokehold. So is he more of a schemer? I think that's it was impulse. Yeah, for at least for Wexler, for well, for his mom, I think that was yeah. just impulse. All right, so inadequate rageful psychopath or psychopathic person committing multiple vicious acts. I'm probably going to go with the vicious acts as well. Me too. Sixteen. 16. I think the word yes. I, I think vicious seems more. Yeah, he is a vicious person. Like, the stuff he did was dark. What's weird is, like, so what we have there is on the same categories. Winston Mosley, who he killed Kitty. Yeah. And then Zach Bowen. He killed his girlfriend in New Orleans. Right. So he just seems, you know, what it is is his whole backstory that has nothing it's not illegal or anything like that but the way that he lived his life just makes him seem so more sinister because because he wanted everybody to fear him because oh, he, I see. he cultivated this image of like if he had been just a touch smarter he could have done so much worse well that's the question right he seems so much more sinister because he's nasty and living in feces and all the stuff like that but is that worse than someone who can blend into society and still go around killing people? Right. Like, Zach Bowen mm-hmm. did do that, right? Mm-hmm. He killed his girlfriend and then continued to live his life as normal. Like, nobody guessed right. that he had done that yeah. until the end. Yeah, I mean, like, Zach Bowen, he was likable. People liked him. He was charming. He was the, the I think, bartender. I think this guy is more like Winston Mosley. And and was just snapped. Just, just suffered from a... Violent personality. He just liked mm-hmm. chaos, mm-hmm. liked harm. Yeah. But Winston Mosley, you wouldn't look at him and know it. Right. But with Pazuzu, yeah, you, you absolutely it. saw that and you're like, you at least had a chance to be like, no, I'm not. No, thank you. No, thank you. No. <laughs> I'm not going to file my teeth down. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going in that house. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know what party you brought me to, but I'm not down for it. Yeah. All right. Okay. 16 then. 16. Pazuzu. Pazuzu. Pazuzu! <laughs> Is that the only reason you wanted to do this one? <laughs> I do love that episode, it, though. It comes up on my feeds a lot. This particular story. The thing about it is, right, is it's sensationalized. It was every journalist's, like, wet dream when it happened because he was this Satanist. Oh. And he was a, a professed cannibal and stuff like that. And you're like, you do realize what you're talking about is a bunch of bullshit. He was neither of those things. He was just a guy who was bonkers and couldn't Need have, help. Yeah, mm-hmm. he couldn't. He had no. He needed some drugs and he needed a guide in hand. And unfortunately, he had the chance. But because he's poor, 
he didn't get it, and now people are dead. Right. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I'm doing the second story today, which typically does not have anyone to put on the scale. It's either an unsolved murder or it's just a weird case. So here we go. So for Christmas this year, I got a true crime once a day calendar Ooh. that you pull apart. You know, shout out to my buddy Sarah for that. And and this was one of the cases that came up on it. So this is the story of Monique, just Monique by herself. All the right. singer? No. Wait, no. <laughs> Comedian. Well, no, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going back to January 4th, 2015 in Graveson Bay, which is near Coney Island in New York. Bird watchers found a decomposed human hand. Ooh. Yeah. Just floating on the tide there. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a beach. Okay. It's a bay. Officers arrived, but really didn't know where to start. Like, they're like, it's just a hand. Like, we can't tell if it's homicide or if it's suicide or if it's accident. Like, they, they didn't know what to do. So, the next day, a canine unit tracked ascent to a human foot with toenails painted in translucent glitter. So, Aww. yeah. So, pretty toes, I guess. Um, <laughs> some pretty toes. She gets some pretty toes. Over two months, That's they find... That's how they identify her. Did she have pretty toes? Yeah. They find other body parts. A severed arm in a tree. Uh, well, they think it was carried there by, like, a bird, a bird. or an animal or something. Oh, okay. It's um, a big-ass bird. I don't know how much of the arm. You know what I mean? It could have been just... All like I can imagine is someone flinging it like a boomerang. Maybe. Maybe it was an albatross. <laughs> nice callback. Some Cat leg bones. Some leg bones and a human pelvis. DNA connected all the body parts together, so they were all from the same person, and cops determined she was a victim of homicide and then dismembered. I guess based on the way the pieces were cut. (laughs) This is just grossing me out talking about it. They still couldn't find, and to this day have not found, one hand, a foot, or her head. Ooh. Yeah. So, her fingerprints and DNA weren't in any database, so she had no criminal record. She may have been a victim of sex trafficking, which they have not ruled out. The park was really remote. There's no cameras. Like, the closest camera, I think, was, like, half a mile away, something like that, a mile away. And they believed the killer knew this and ch- and so was familiar with the area, killing her somewhere else and then dumping her body parts in the water. Like, there, there was a theory that he actually, and I'm going to say he from now on just because typically that's how it works out. He may have killed her six months before dumping her body in the bay. But it's probably someone from that area that knows that that park is remote. A purple-pink comforter was found nearby, but it either was not connected to the case or yielded no clues, and no hotels in the area recognized it. I wonder if he killed her, you know, and then, like, maybe his normal everyday routine was to take a walk in the park and just every day, another body part, he just... That's that's an interesting idea, maybe. Uh, I did not come across that. I think that would be harder to hide, because now you're doing multiple trips. Yeah, but if he's always there. Sure. She had one defining characteristic, a tattoo on her calf. At first, it was thought just to be discoloration on her decomposed skin because she was it was pretty far gone. But after stretching the skin out and oiling it, they would like Ooh. put baby oil on it, stretch it, put it back in the oil, take it out, stretch it, put it back in the it, it was quite a process. The tattoo appeared. It was old, most likely from the 80s, and it was a heart with the name Monique. There's even some questions about this on whether it might have actually said Ronique or Konique. And interestingly enough, you can find the picture online of the tattoo. And that first letter does look kind of weird. Oh, sure. Now we're we not can gonna find anything that, that's gonna like be a shocker from here on out. Oh, I can see what you mean. Right? That first letter does look a little funky. It looks like a K. It looks a little like a K, or I think it looks closer to an R. 
But I could see why it would be an M if it's that kind of stylized. Also, yeah, I don't know. And obviously, the name Monique is more common than Ronique or Konique. And the the point I'm making here is that even if it was Ronique or Konique, I'm sure they had an officer research anybody in that area named that name as well. So they think her name is Monique. I'm gonna get that in a second. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So once they figured out it's a tattoo, and they can and they read what they think is Monique, they start to investigate. They touched base with lots of Moniques in the area. They, a, a woman who didn't renew her license, they went and found her because, you know, where have you been? That kind of stuff. Another Monique who knew who they knew had a tattoo of her own name was found. She was alive in Greenpoint, as well as her five sisters who are all named Monique. Yeah. So that's a case right there. I'm like, I'd like to look into that as well. <laughs> it's a, a George Foreman child, scenario. Uh, child abuse. <laughs> Phenotyping made her appearance available. So they were able to figure out that she was between 25 to 40 years old. She was black. And she was probably between 5'3 or 5'9. So this is not a huge woman. Like, she's little. Mm -hmm. Um, And 25 to 40. That's a big difference, 5'9 and 5'3. That's true. That's true. I guess if she is closer to the 5'9 side, then she'd be pretty tall. But For a girl. Isotope testing said that she lived in a cold, mountainous region which I thought was interesting that they could figure that out. Isotope uh, testing on her bones. She also had an IUD in her pelvis, which, do you know what that is, Clinton? Yes. Okay. And um, Do you want to explain it for listeners? So know? <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a method of birth control. It's, it's something you have. And implanted. And implanted, right. That keeps you from getting pregnant. And she, was, she had a healing broken rib. Also, a pelvic stent was found, which was most likely to help with deep vein thrombosis. The tattoo was taken to lots of different artists to see if anyone remembered doing it, and no one did. One artist, his name is Joe Kay, even got on a profiling kind of kick with it, and he established how old he thought it was. It was taken off the wall of a tattoo shop because he said the way it was created, it would look very standard. Like, basically, you would just, that pattern of the heart with the banners would have been on the wall. You grab it, and you just put your name in it. And it wasn't custom made, and it was poorly done. So this was these were the, he estimated she was probably around fifty, and it was possibly done by a kitchen wizard, which is someone who did tattoo house calls for practice. Which I thought that was an interesting name, kitchen wizard. But you see that like you can, like people are like, oh, my cousin's coming to a party and he'll do a tattoo for you yeah. for like ten bucks or something. Yeah, that. don't ever do it. <laughs> don't do it, people. So apparently it was very popular to get your own name tattooed on you in the 70s and 80s, which is what gave him his idea for her age. The case has never been solved. To this day, nobody knows who she is or what happened to her. There's a theory she's a victim of Kwahuru Govan. He's a serial killer who was convicted for killing a 19-year-old man, his own cousin, and dismembering him. His head was also never found, that victim. Govan was also indicted for the murder of a 17-year-old girl, and DNA linked him to both of those cases, but he has adamantly claimed his innocence. So I feel like I gotta throw that in there. He, he's, a, he's a wild card. He, you should read some of the stuff about him and his antics in court. Like, so his 19-year-old was, was his cousin, mm-hmm. and he came to court and he told his mom, the 19-year-old's mom, he's like, I still love you. And she's like, she's dealing with the fact that he killed her son. Yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. He yelled out in court, he's like, I couldn't have done this. I can't even dissect a frog. Like, he's just, he's just a crazy person he's just nuts but anyway so it's possible that he lived in that area at the time and he obviously if if he's convicted of these crimes he had a knack for dismembering people so and then of course another suspect could be the long island serial killer which is very well known the long island serial killer clinton have you ever heard of that guy i mean 
I might have heard those words together, but... Okay, so this is an active serial killer who exists today. Nobody's ever found him. Or, I mean, like, it is an interesting thing if she was, like, the victim of sex trafficking. If, you know, putting an IED... IED. IUD. <laughs> I know. Let's not do an IED. Yeah, yeah that's going to that. uh, backfire. Um, <laughs> uh, but it would make sense that she would have that if yeah. she was part of a you know sex trafficking. Sure. Um, and and if they they would be able to get her medical care probably under the table somewhere and but. and if she is part of a sex trafficking ring, she may not even be from this country. She might have been brought over here illegally or something like that. It just the people who need to know about this girl have not heard this case is what it feels like to me. Like there's someone who who is missing a Monique. Right. You know, she was somebody's sister or daughter or mother or auntie or something like that. And it's like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how you don't, someone hasn't come forward for her yet. Unless it was done by family members. Like that's happened before too. Like it's a dark family secret. Or I don't know if it's possible that some of their clues are steering them down to like the wrong That's path. true. Profiles have been wrong before. And so I don't know, like, in other words, they were saying, like, in the 70s and 80s, it was popular to do that and get your own kind of name kind of thing. But maybe it is the name of someone else. And right. she and is not in that age range. Or, I will you know, say like, that the, the police have at least have come forward to say that they have considered that possibility as well. That it could be a partner or a child. Right. Or a mother. I think they said that as well. But, yeah, the fact that it like, feels like this should be able to be solved. Or at least find out who she is. Maybe not know what happened to her, but who is this girl? Right. So, but they haven't. They haven't. Like, even the stories of, like, Boy in the Box. I feel like that one should be able to be solved, too. But that also was a lot older. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And we didn't have the technology then that we have now. And You know what I mean? So it's like... It feels like we're so much closer to being able to just say, that's her, and this is who this person is because of all these factors that we can now... Right. I mean, with the DNA and stuff like that, you would think that you would find a link. However, if that per like the boy in the box we discussed, if he was the last of his line, then there would be no DNA link to anybody living right now. Yeah, so there's still a possibility that she could be tracked down to family members through 23andMe. This is still a, a fairly popular case to discuss. Other podcasts have done it. And it's one that, like, I, as far as I could tell, the articles I read, like, the New York police still consider it an open case. Like, they're still looking for things to try to solve it. I don't think it's on anybody's radar all the time. You know, I don't think anyone's working it all the time or anything like that. But they're, I'm sure they're taking tips and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. if there is anyone who listens to our podcast who might know more about Monique, it's called the New York City Police, <laughs> I guess. So, but yeah, it's a... Uh, it's a sad story. I don't like to think of forgotten people. I like I, I think it's probably the opposite in me, but I, I believe that usually everyone has someone who cares about them. Someone cares about you. And to think that there's someone out there who's forgotten or, or lost, it just it breaks my heart. Because mm-hmm. that could be it too. That she was just ran away. And so her parents were just like, I guess she's out there living her life and don't even realize, you know. So to bring us on a downer. I mean, this it's kind of... Ha- that happens all the time. I know. It's pretty much the name of the game for this podcast. Yeah. Unless you're talking about, you know, someone who died mysteriously and... Yeah. Left money all around and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> he was, was beaten out of him. <laughs> the, uh... What was it? The, the lead... 
mask. mask one, like that one at least was not a downer to me. That was one of the most fascinating. Yeah. Like, I mean, it wasn't uplifting and left me in a good spot, but sure, sure. At least it was just more interesting than, than mine. I got it. Yeah, yeah, that's yes. right. Thanks. Yours is boring. Yeah. <laughs> Poor me. But yeah, so this is our our season finale for season three. We'll be back in a few I months. Hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> we'll be back in a few months. If you would care to follow us for those updates, so you can see when we come back. Join us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the things for Murder Brunch. Or you can visit our website at murderbrunchbunch.com. Or email us at murderbrunchbunch at gmail.com. We love to hear from people. We do. That's always fun. Rate and review. Rate and review. That would be great. Like and subscribe. Yeah, that helps us a lot with subscribers. So anything else we want to end with the season with? Join us next time. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> For more mayhem. More murder. More snacks. Bye. Bye.